So, today we are going to continue our Redeeming Christmas series as we've been taking a look back at this holiday season and remembering it for what it truly symbolizes. We want to redeem Christmas back again so that we can remember the reason why we celebrate this season. So last week, uh, Pastor Brian encouraged us to spread the cheer. Spread the cheer this holiday season by being a blessing to others, by enjoying getting together with one another. Guys, he actually said we could party. Yeah! So go to that work party. Go to that friend's party. That's, go and, and spread the cheer. Be there. Show up. And then lastly, but certainly not least, by inviting. Inviting our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers to our Christmas Eve service that we're having on, uh, on Christmas Eve here at 6 p.m. that Brian just talked about a little bit ago during announcements. It's going to be a great night of just praise and worshiping our, uh, our Messiah that has come. And that's, uh, that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about uh, today. So um, we're going to be looking at the circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ today. It's nothing earth-shattering. We've, uh, I'm sure you've all heard this story multiple, multiple times. It is the Christmas story. It is the birth of Christ and everything surrounding it. But it's always good to remember. It's always good to talk about things we all know because, well, we already know them. And sometimes that means we just gloss over the fact. Or, yeah, that's cool. That's great. I know that. I know, I know, I know. Right? My, my six-year-old son is loving sports. All right? He's into the Sixers and the Flyers and the Eagles, right? And I'm just like over the moon about it, right? But uh, he'll be like, Daddy, this happened, this happened. I was like, well, Ethan, that's a different sport. Oh, I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know, right? You ever have people do that? You try to explain something, yeah, I know, I know, I know, right? So today we want to we stop the I know, I know, I know. And we want to just hear the story again and realize the true importance of this Christmas story today. So, during this season, some of the most iconic images we see of this monumental night in history is the nativity scene, right? So this is kind of the normal picture of what people look at, paintings, things, right? You have the angels, you have the star, you have animals, and Jesus is in the manger, and so on and so forth, right? But uh, as we are in 2018, uh, there's many different types of nativity scenes that you can purchase now. Um, Al, if you could hit one of those lights again just so we can see this picture. So this is a, a more modern version of the nativity scene. All right, so we got Starbucks in hand, we got selfie going on, we got Amazon packages, all right, we got Segways, we got gluten-free feed, 100% organic, all right, he's uh, just totally missing everything, just watching YouTube on his phone, 
Right, we got solar panels up here. Man, this is the modern nativity scene, y'all. Right? And then we got one more for you, for you Lego fans, right? Here's a, a Lego nativity scene, right? We got the angel up here. I don't know why we got palm trees for some reason. That's not really, you know, supposed to be there. Uh, and I think this is actually, yeah, so we got an ox over here. We got a camel. Uh, we got a shepherd. So, right? So, for your Lego fans, there's tons more. There's Star Wars. There's superheroes. There's cat nativity scenes. Everything's in a cat. There's zombie mode. Like, man, there's all types of nativity scenes, right, that we can uh, purchase nowadays. You can leave that off, out because I have some other things coming, too. I can read. But simply put, this scene, <laughs> I didn't mean that for you, Rich. I really didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> I was just saying, we're all good. We're all, yeah, I know, it's right over there. So, uh, so simply put, this scene, this iconic scene, this nativity scene, that faithful night, depicts the most important birth of the most important baby in human history. And that is the Christ, that is the Messiah. So I want to take us through that night today, as well as some events that led up to the culmination of <clears throat> the birth of Jesus. So we're going to be in uh, Luke 2. So if, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your uh, devices, maybe with a Bible app, you can open up to Luke 2. <clears throat> and we're going to read through <coughs> verses 1 through 12. Luke 2. <clears throat> in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Heavenly Father, I just want to, uh, I just want to pause for a moment. Just want to, just want to understand that we're just in your presence in this moment, Lord, and we just want to be able to, uh, to steady our hearts, steady our minds. Um, give me the words to say, just be, be your words through me, Father. And we just, uh, just want to be able to uh, 
remember this Christmas story for what it is, one of the greatest stories that could ever be told in human history. So be with us this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, we can redeem Christmas by remembering to look for God. We can redeem this Christmas season by remembering to look for God. Luke 2.7, pretty much our, our main verse for today. She wrapped him in cloths, this is Mary, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the hustle and bustle of this holiday season, it's easy to forget the reason why we celebrate at the expense of the celebration itself. Now, listen, it's great to have family over, friends over. It's a, it's a magnificent time of year for that. It's great to reconnect. It's great to have fun. It's great to party, right? It's great to enjoy the season. But let's not forget the why. The reason why we celebrate this holiday season. And that is the birth of a little boy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as the morning goes on. So as we see from our text, there was a census called, which meant Joseph and Mary had to pack up all their things and walk some about 80 to 90-ish miles uh, from where they were, um, I believe in Nazareth, to um, Bethlehem, right? Uh, and oh yeah, Mary was quite pregnant at this time. Um, and they had to walk 80, 90 miles. Has anybody ever walked 80 miles before in your life at one time? No. Well, we don't really need to. We have bikes, we have cars, we have, you know, modern technology that means we don't have to walk 80 miles ourselves. Segways, right, as we saw in the nativity scene, right? But uh, in that day and time, you maybe had a camel, you maybe had a donkey. Um, that's not here in our text. So to me, they walked 80 miles, right? Maybe they had a donkey to put all their belongings on, uh, to carry their stuff. Who knows? It's not said. So they walked about 80, 90 miles uh, because of this census all the way to Bethlehem. Now, <clears throat> Because there was a census, there was probably lots of people taking this journey. This journey was also taken many different times uh, in, a, in a lifetime to, to walk to Jerusalem for different things. Uh, so they could have been walking uh, with other family members. They could have been walking with other people that were going to uh, Bethlehem at the same time. So they may not have been alone, which was kind of cool, but they still had to walk some 89 miles and, and Mary doing it while she was very, very pregnant, I'm sure, was incredibly uncomfortable. I've never been pregnant, obviously. However, my wife has been numerous times, and just from watching her be pregnant, I could assume it would not be very comfortable to walk 80 miles to go register that, hey, I'm alive, and this is who I am, and this is where I live, and this is the family I'm from. So they maybe not did it in, in one day. It was probably about a four-day journey. Um, but in the condition that Mary was in, uh, it maybe took them a little bit longer than four days. It could have taken them up to a week uh, to get to Bethlehem. And that's a little bit important for a reason that we'll talk about in just a moment. So 
When they get to Bethlehem, finally they're there, they have to find a place to stay. So Joseph, being from the line of David, <clears throat> would be duty-bound to find his relative's house. may not have been his dad's house or his uncle's house. It was probably a distant relative from the line of David, but he would be duty-bound to look them up, right? If you've, if you've ever traveled and you have family member, you know, in other places in the country, luckily all my family is in like one centralized location here in Pennsylvania. That's fantastic. But, uh, you know, you travel and, oh, you got to look up Uncle Pete when you go to South Dakota. He's, uh, he's looking for you. So when you're in South Dakota, you got to look up Uncle Pete and you got to stay with Uncle Pete for a night or two, right? And then so on and so forth, right? So Joseph would be duty-bound to find the house of his relatives, right? So he would find this house, and he would knock on the door. They would open the door, and he would go, hey, I'm Joseph, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, until they get to the point where they go, oh, family, hey, come on in, right? And they would be duty-bound to bring family into their dwelling. So why is this important? Well, for this last line here. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, other translation says there's no room in the inn. When we hear that as Easterners, or Westerners, I should say, I apologize, we go, oh, no room in the inn, and we automatically think hotel, motel, you know, Holiday Inn, Motel 8, right? Oh, no vacancy, no room, close the door, you know, sorry. Well, what was most likely the case in that day and time, uh, if you were to look at a, a cutout view of a house, there would be maybe two or three rooms. The large living area, and then there would be a private room in the back, a guest room, and then there would be a separate room, maybe downstairs, where the animals will be kept. You wouldn't leave your animals outside. You'd bring them in. The animals would be kept inside. They would have water. And then in the main living area, there would be little pockets on the floor which you would put hay in, and the animals would eat from there. So there is no room in the guest, inn, or in the guest room. Why? Well, maybe because Mary and Joseph got there late because they were walking 80 miles, and Mary was probably nine months pregnant at the time, and it took them a lot longer to get to Bethlehem. So when they got here, they go, oh, you're pregnant. Here's the guest room. They go to the guest room, and it's already filled. This is the line of David, people, right? The line of David, that's huge, right? So there's tons of people probably in this house. So Mary probably wasn't comfortable. There wasn't room enough in this guest room for her to have this baby. Quick side note, if you think about this guest room or this upper room, same place where Jesus and the disciples had their last supper. Not same house, but that same type of room. It was private, usually would have its own entrance. Sometimes it would be on top of a roof. So it would be this private area for guests to stay in. But unfortunately, there was no room for Mary. So she probably went back into the large living area. That was filled up. <clears throat> Some say a stable is where Christ was born. Um, a stable there meant probably a hole, a cave cut out of rock, right? So dark, damp, where the animals were, smelly, 
and the manger was most likely a feeding trough, not this little separate wooden piece with nice hay and a pillow and Jesus lay. No, it was wrapped him in cloths and put him in a feeding trough. But this all goes to show the humbleness of this birth. And that's important for numerous reasons. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But while Mary was around lots of relatives, they all seemed to miss possibly what was going on here. Now, it wasn't at the fault of their own. They had no idea who Mary had inside of her, right? Mary knew, Joseph knew, because God chose to reveal it to them. Now, could they have told their family members? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? doesn't say here in our text if they did or they didn't. But what we do know is that this birth was not a comfortable birth. It wasn't in a hospital with all modern technology and medicine. It was in a cave, a stable of sorts, around animals, lonely, and very humble in terms. But we can redeem Christmas by remembering to look for God. So there was one other people group that God chose to reveal what was going on that night too. And that was the shepherds nearby. Luke 2, 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So a normal day job, looking after sheep, walking in the fields and the mountainsides day after day, day after day, day after day, making sure those non-intelligent little animals didn't go wandering off on their own by themselves. You had to go make sure they were safe and bring them back to the herd, right? Very mundane job. Important job, very mundane job. It's day laborer, right? Out in the fields all day. God chose to reveal to them the glory of what was going on that night in a little humble cave. This little baby boy was being born. Now, their world was flipped upside down and they had a choice. What could they do? They could have just kept on going on with their jobs. Maybe excuse this as a, a communal, delirious event that happened because they were tired and what is this, an angel and blah, blah, blah. No. They heeded what the angel said and they said, we got to go find out what's going on. We got to go find this Messiah. We got to go find this baby boy. So we pick up in verse 15. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed of what the shepherds said to them. 
So not only did they not just forget what they were told and go and just do what they wanted to do, they said, let's go. we got to go find this baby. we got to go find this, this miraculous thing that we were just told about by an angel of the Lord. We were revealed. And they went, and they saw Jesus, and they were overjoyed. And it didn't just stop there. They left, and they told everyone they could find about everything about this baby that they were told. Talk about spreading the cheer, right, Brian? They spread that cheer all over, those shepherds. The cheer of this baby boy, this Messiah that had come, that nobody knew about, was sitting there in a stable. Some shepherds knew, Mary knew, Joseph knew. So, this Christmas story, this humble birth, this lowly baby in a manger, in a feeding trough, mother and father walked 90 miles to get to this census, tired, exhausted, new baby. For those of you who have babies, tiredness, exhaustion, you get it, and you got to keep pushing through, right? And, but this is the Messiah that was born. So what does this mean for us? What do we take from this Christmas story this morning, all the events that led up to it, and the events that led up to this, this most important moment in human history to date at the time? Well, for that, I want to take us back to a prophecy told in Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We'll call him Emmanuel. In Old Testament times, names meant everything. Names meant everything. And the name given to Jesus in this passage is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, God was with Adam in the garden, right? Adam walked with God. And then something happened that separated us from God, sin. Sin separates us from God. It puts barriers up between us and God. It blocks us from right standing with him, from a right relationship with him. So there needs to be payment for this sin. The blood of a perfect, spotless lamb to pay the price that we could never pay on our own. That was the price. That was the atonement for sin. So in our story this day, a Messiah was born as a humble baby, but would grow to be the once for all payment for all sin, past, present, future. Blood shed on a cross for you, for me. Hands nailed, feet nailed, side scoured. 
for you and for me. That is the why we celebrate this season. This humble baby, the most important birth in all of human history, because it would be the payment for me to stand in front of my creator again as adopted son and say, Abba, Father. To be adopted into his family. So God with us, Jesus, even as a baby, was both human 100%, both God 100%, came down as a human with us in Bible times. And when God, or when Jesus died on the cross, resurrected three days later, and then went back to the right hand of the throne of God, his rightful place, he left us the Holy Spirit. And that is God with us today. For those who are adopted into God's family by the blood of Christ, and we call on that to be Lord of our lives, the Holy Spirit dwells within us today. God with us. Let us not miss that this season. And just as we end here, I started off with some funny nativity scenes, but I came across one that was different than all the others. And now I'm just going to need you to hit that one last light because this is a, a painting, so it's kind of hard to see here. But this touched me. Because look, look at Mary, just the exhaustion of birth. And you have Joseph just looking like the weight of the world is on his shoulders because this baby boy, they know is the Messiah come? And they have to raise him. And they don't know everything that's going to happen. But just this solidarity, this is before the shepherds come running, before years later, and the Magi come with gifts. It's just Mary, and it's Joseph, and it's that little baby boy, God with us. So I start to think, how many times a day do I forget to look for God in life? How many times a day do I just look out for me, for number one, and I miss God? I miss what he has for me. How about you? For those of us who are adopted into his family again, we now have God with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Let us redeem this Christmas season this year by remembering to look for God within the hustle and bustle and rejoice in knowing that God is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you, Lord, so much Lord, for coming down as a baby, being born in such humble and lowly circumstances. Lord, knowing that ultimately your mission was to be that perfect spotless lamb to be sacrificed for all of humankind. Lord, you are so good to us. You were good to us then in those moments, and you're good to us now in every moment of our life. Lord, we thank you for that. And we want to be able to look for you in this holiday season. We want to be able to remember that you are forever with us. We are adopted into your family. And we thank you for that. Praise in your name. Praise our life today.